chilled your delicate sensibilities. This has explicit fucking content. Hi, my name's Angela, and I have almost 30 years in the adult entertainment industry. Hello, I'm Jordana, and I've had to explain to a boomer what scat porn is. Um, I didn't even know there was scat porn. I know that scat as a recreational enjoyment exists for some humans. I just didn't know that there was actual porn that people watched. Oh, there's porn of anything. Well, that's true. I guess. I guess I just never Googled it. He thought it was when you go scooby dooby dooby doo on the dick. (laughs) (laughs) Also fun. That could be fun. Yeah, not the other thing, though. I I once saw a porn of this chick eating cereal out of another chick's ass. Okay. And by the time she's done, the milk is brown. Is that scat porn? Yes. I feel like yes. Okay. Was it Cocoa Puffs? No. Oh, no. It was like Fruit Loops or something. Pop them in her butthole? She had one of those rings that stretches the butthole. Sphincter. The sphincter. And they were actually And there was milk and cereal. And they Wow. That made me really nauseous. (laughs) I don't get grossed out easy. And that really grossed me out. Really? Yeah. I watched that mixed company. I can't even fathom. I'm really not into the poo. Oh, we weren't watching it for titillating purposes. (laughs) Was it hilarious was it amusing i mean why were you watching it i don't know what the point of the internet is if not to watch fucked up shit that you're never gonna do that's fair that's fair but whose idea was it a friend of mine and you guys were all like yes let's yeah he was like oh i watched a video today you guys need to see and then my other friend was like, oh, I don't think. And then I was like, oh, yeah, I want to see it. Show me. He put it on the phone for me and I watched it. I can't believe the girl who did the eating didn't get sick from. We don't know. I mean, that's true. I guess they wouldn't. Fecal matter is not healthy to consume. What? <laughs> e. coli is not good for you? <laughs> it is not good for you. So the fecal cold form is not a good thing? <laughs> Never a good thing. All right. I'm going to write this down. Breaking news. So in sex news, I read there have been studies and this doctor has decided that instead of calling the G-spot, the G-spot, that it should be renamed to the G-zone. Like an erogenous zone or? Yeah, from these studies have found that it's not one specific spot, but there's like five separate areas. Like where there's more nerve endings? Yeah, it's more of a zone. What I'm hearing is that after all of these years, the vagina is still a mystery. Still a mystery. I bet this was a man, wasn't it? It was indeed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I bet he doesn't know where the clit is. Never going to find it. (laughs) That's definitely something that we should uh, look into. (laughs) He was going to the wrong classes. Angela, I think from talking to you a while ago, you had a time when you were a teenager that you were almost sex trafficked. You felt like you were in an unsafe situation. Do you want to elaborate on that? Yes. Looking back at it now, it seems kind of funny to me, but at the time it was a really scary situation. I was 16, getting in a lot of trouble, sneaking out, took my parents' car, which I was 16. I was able to drive, Um, but I wasn't really supposed to take it anywhere outside of 
the town I grew up in. So I went and met my boyfriend. He said that he wanted to go see his cousin. This dude did not tell me that his cousin lived in another state. Oh my goodness. He drove. And we ended up in Indiana in a very smelly town in Indiana. But I'm in this crack house. It's obviously a place that they make the crack and smoke the crack. And his cousin is older. He shouldn't have been hanging out with us at our ages. But this guy had every intention of turning me into a whore and having me give him all my money that I would be making. Obviously, I didn't follow through with that plan of his, but that's what he was planning to do. How did he approach you with this? He just started talking to me about all of these things that I was basically going to do for him. Oh, he straight up said it. There was no, hey, do you want to make some money? I know why you could do it. Or was he like, listen, you're going to suck some dick and then give me the money? Basically, I mean, yes, it was more like, I almost felt at some point, and I don't know why the guy that I thought was my boyfriend um, didn't interview quicker but like I was really scared and he was very aggressive about it like this is what I'm going to do and he was setting things up and they were planning to have somebody he was planning to have somebody come over um, to the house and we gotta go like I can't be a part of this I don't want to be in a crack house and I don't I don't want to be sold so the time I got my 16 year old ass almost uh, sold for a profit are you like 100% sure it was crack or meth or do you know for sure what kind of drugs it was well I didn't do the drugs, but I thought at the time that it was crack. It smelled like crack. It smelled like crack. Yeah. What does crack smell like? It smells like crack. I don't know, girl. It has a smell. It smells like a chemical smell. I've smoked crack and I didn't even know it had a smell. <laughs> it has a smell. I think meth has a smell. I've noticed it before. I've never smoked meth. I don't know. I mean, I've smelled it on other people. Like, I'm like, oh, that bitch been to the meth house. Well, so it was back in the 80s. Feel like it was crack. I didn't know that people manufactured crack at their houses. That's why I'm asking all these questions. This is all new to me. I'm amazed. You didn't know? No. I had no idea people manufactured crack at their houses. How does the crack cocaine get made? I don't know. I thought it was like how cocaine gets made like in other places. I thought somebody in another place manufactured it from a plant or something. It's a process of cooking down the cocaine. I don't know all the details. We should research that. Now I'm like super inquisitive about this crack house where they manufactured the crap. So after a quick use of the whole googly goose, we have learned making crack from cocaine is a relatively simple process. It is. We're not going to give you the recipe, but I'm just saying it's real easy. And it was in fact crack cocaine. They were, they were cooking up there. See, I grew up in the nineties where when I went to a house where they were making drugs, it was meth. Usually. I thought you also had a crack I do, house. I do have a crack accident. I have a crack accident story, but they weren't making the crack there. Oh. They were just smoking the crack. They were smoking the crack. I went with this lady on what I didn't realize was a drug run. She was selling the crack to people. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you have to come in with me while I run this errand. And I was like, why do I have to come in with you? And she was like, you just have to. They won't like it if you stay out here. And will you bring my baby in with you and hold it? And I was like, okay. And I get in there and this dude's like, do you get high? And I was like, not right now. He was like, what do you mean not right now? And you got to realize I was 15 years old. And when I was 15, I looked 12. And he was like, you're going to smoke this crack with me. And I was like, why? He was like, because I think you're a police officer. And I was like, I'm not going to smoke this crack with you. And he's like, smoke this crack, bitch. And I smoked that crack with him. (laughs) And I was so fucked up. 
So was it enjoyable? Not in the least. It was I, nothing like doing coke. It was not fun at all. It sounds horrible. It was real awful. And then I also had to call my mom because I was supposed to be home and I had to call her. And I remember being on the phone with her and I was like, hey mom, I can't come home right now. I gotta go. I'm gonna go. I gotta go to the gym. I saw my cousin there. I'm gonna go. I love you. Bye. And I hung up because I didn't know what else to do. So how long did it take before you came down? I have no idea. I can't remember. Uh, I was I was so fucked up. At one point, I remember just wildly cackling, <laughs> but I could not make myself stop. Oh, that's scary. And then she's still on her crack runs. And there was this lady was going to kick our ass. She was throwing shit at the car and I could not stop cackling. And with this baby in the backseat. Why were you hanging around with this woman? You were 15 and she was 16. Oh, so, oh, oh that doesn't seem so odd then. But who was a drug dealer at 16? Well, her baby daddy was in prison oh. for selling crack. So she had to, she told me she had to make diaper money. So when she starts explaining to me why she's doing it. I thought that when I talked about what happened in Indiana, like talking about it would make me remember more of it. But I don't remember most of that which is crazy. I mean, it happened like over an eight hour period and I don't remember. Oh my God, shit. you were there for eight hours? Well, we had to drive from my home to this place in Indiana. Which you said was a Midwest like rural area. Yeah, correct? yeah, absolutely. And then be there for a while. Well, all kinds of terrible things were happening. Drug deals and this guy trying to turn me out and then back. I know it happened and I remember that, it, you know, it happened, but I don't remember most of the details about and several other terrible incidences in my life. Like, I just don't remember the details. People don't remember trauma. Sometimes it's your brain's way of helping you cope with it. Do you think that that was so traumatic? You, it was pretty freaking traumatic. I almost never talk about it. I think I've told you and maybe one other person. Do you want to go into more detail? I can't. I don't remember more. I remember it happening. I mean, I know for sure it happened. It's not like definitely happened. I don't have all the details. I don't remember. There are huge chunks of my life that I can't remember specifics about. Do you think it's trauma? Nah, I don't know. I should probably see a therapist about that. <laughs> maybe look a little deeper into that. <laughs> oh my goodness. I just, I remember it smelled really bad, the town. Have you ever noticed though how bad that, like all of Ohio stinks? It doesn't smell as bad as Indiana to me, at least the parts that I have been in. It's been a while since I've been in Indiana, but uh, I'm sure. Real stanky. <laughs> <laughs> like real bad. I think it's like oil refinery smell, you know? Yeah. Like, New Jersey smells like French fries. I love a good French fry. I don't remember New Jersey smelling like French fries, but when we stayed in New Jersey, when we went to um, to New York and New York was having a trash strike at the time. Mm, yum. It was so yummy. <laughs> the trash bags for restaurants were piled up to the top, of, you know, like to the roof on some buildings and it was summer and it was so bad. It smelled so bad. It on was, a scale of one to New York trash, strike where does the crack house fall on terms of aroma just again all of indiana to me smells bad at least that's what my brain remembers but it was pretty gonna give it a strong seven from a one <laughs> to a new york trash strike <laughs> where does ron jeremy fall he's um he's a solid 12 oh my <laughs> oh we heard the word so we have a listener question for you did being in the industry or having been in the industry for so long impact your politics were your worldview? No, I already had my political stance. 
um, pretty well established by the time I was 18 and started in the industry. And I don't know that being in the clubs would have changed it. It didn't, but I don't, I don't know that it would have, you know, either way if I felt differently and definitely not my worldview. Here is the second part of our interview with the marvelous Shayla. Shayla, for the most part, do you feel like your experience as a dancer in the clubs has been a positive one? I think so. Yes. I've experienced some negative things, especially like being a Black woman working in the South. And I've worked in like Punteville, Smithville. Like I never got called a colored woman until I went to Smithville. It took me back because it wasn't derogatory, but it was like, did you really just call me a colored woman? Like this guy got a dance in Smithville and his response afterwards was like, I really enjoyed the dance. I've never gotten a dance from a colored girl before. And I was like, you can say black. <laughs> like, you can say black. I thank you, but don't say colored. Just say 1950 and... How did he respond to that? Did he take the lesson? Did he understand? Oh, yeah. He was like, oh, I apologize. I'm sorry. I don't think that they were used to seeing like a lot of black people in that area because... Now, that club, I could count on one hand the number of Black people that worked there. I don't think they was really used to it, but they weren't rude. They actually were really nice. So I didn't like, when he said it, I didn't take it as like a, excuse me? I think a lot of times you got to look at like context and not necessarily what someone says, but how they say it. And I know he didn't say it. The way he said it wasn't rude. So that took me back. And I think I took him back by correcting him too. Like, you could just say Black. Like, I'm a black woman. Black is cool. It's cool to say. You good. You could just call us black. But don't say the blacks. <laughs> you just like... I ain't never got a dance from a black girl before. Right? Yeah, we rock your world. <laughs> Come to the dark side, honey. That's probably been some of the crazy stuff. And then like, of course, you get people that really don't like black girls. So they'll like dismiss you before you even get to say hi. And it's just like, okay, that's your prerogative. But I'm gonna go, the ones that do like black women, they're the ones that I'm a cater to. Like they coming over here, they're showing me love. I'm gonna go and make sure that they taken care of. So for every one or two people that didn't like black girls out in the areas, the country areas that I work, there was like 20 to 30 that did. So truly, I'll say it's been a more so a positive experience than a negative experience. And not even just the customers, but the growth in a lot of the girls that I've worked with is a positive experience. Some women get into this industry and they lose who they are. I'm saying I have a positive experience, but there are some girls who don't. They've gotten wrapped up in the drugs, the alcohol, the, the ugly underbelly of the industry. That's not to say like this industry is bad because all industries have that underbelly, but I'm thankful that I ha didn't lose myself to that side. And I've seen some girls come back from that side and grow and start their own families and prosper in such a healthy way to where it's like, yeah, okay. You can't just look at the bad stuff. The good experiences always out always the bad for me. But like I said, it goes to back to what you put out. I put out positive energy. I attract positive people to me. So I don't have to deal with like the negative condescending side. And when I do hit those areas, I just leave. Like I'm not going to stay where I'm not celebrated. Toleration isn't celebration. So I don't need to be there. And I just take myself out of the situation because it's not worth my peace of mind. Do you feel like <laughs> being a dancer 
has and had an impact on your body image? Do you feel like it's had any impact, positive or negative? Both, both ways. Cause I've been in this industry for a long time. In the past, I'll say five, maybe six years, there's been a more body positive movement going on. But before then in this industry, you had to look a certain way. If you gained too much weight, you were being taken off stage. You couldn't work. Those played in my mind in my younger days. But now I'm just like, you get the body that you get. If I'm a little bit more bloated this day, then that's what it is. Now I'm not as conscious about like how my body looks, what like scar I may have on my body. There's nothing I could do about it at this moment. I can't like blink and it changed. So it's no use in me stressing over something that I can't change right now. But I am thankful more so for the body positive movement that's taking place in the club because I love seeing all girls of all sizes in the club making money because there's somebody for everybody. Every guy may not want a super tiny girl. They may want somebody that's a little bit thicker. They may want like, you know, a beautiful, bigger woman. And now they have those options to go into the club and see those women and have their fantasies fulfilled as well. And those women are also celebrated in the club. And I love to see it. And a lot of times the guys that complain about bodies are the ones that's badly built in the first place. Serge, how you gonna talk about Lizzo and you ain't seen your boss in how long? Like, no, mine stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Cause I bet you she can outrun you, sir. <laughs> Yeah, me and you were the same bra size, but you want to talk about my stretch marks. Okay, sir. <laughs> like, you want my Victoria's Secret push-ups? It'll, it'll lift you up real nice, sir. Like, so it's just like, you got to take it, you really got to take everything with a grain of salt in this industry because the way things change and what is acceptable and considered beautiful and perfect isn't the standard for everybody. I love seeing all body types in the club getting money. Like, yes, sis. Yes. I just seen some girls that are on the bigger side, more entertaining on stage and fucking it up. Like, yes. Over tiny petite girls. Those are the lazy ones. Them the lazy dancers. You get a thicker <laughs> girl in there, she gonna entertain. She gonna turn up. Okay. She gonna, she might have you speaking in tongues on a Sunday afternoon in the strip club so open the doors and I love to see like also like more gentlemen's clubs and if you work y'all work in the strip club industry so you know what I mean by saying gentlemen's clubs hiring women of color and it's areas that don't cater to women of color in their gentlemen's clubs. And I hate that. Like Portland, Oregon is probably like one of the least women of color, friendly gentlemen's clubs areas. Every black woman is not meant to work at an urban strip club. I don't, I'm not a, I'm not a twerker. I'm more comfortable being at like that gentlemen's club where I'm like, can be like, hi, how are you? Yeah. You know, what do you do? Have full conversations and sell VIP rooms over twerking working all night but some gentlemen's clubs have that old tradition of what brings customers in and what their clientele likes but it's a new day baby swirls are in swirls are in hire some women of color at your clubs that was a huge issue that I had when I was working in the clubs because uh beautiful women of all colors and shapes would come in and I would want to bring them in and then I would struggle with the owner when he would come he was like this 
is not what I want for my club. Mm -hmm. But the customers wanted that. And I think that the owners a lot of times have these antiquated ideas of what this strip club should look like. And that can be a constant, well, it was for me, a constant battle trying to bring in variety and still keep the owner happy. I, I get what you're saying. I always thought it was really odd when they had clubs like the gentlemen's clubs that are predominantly white women. And then the other like urban clubs that they're just doing the dollars. And that was a whole different thing to me. I had never seen that before. Wait a second, because I uh, am just an enthusiast. I've never actually worked at a club. So mm -hmm. when, when you guys are saying gentlemen's clubs in air quotes, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. So gentlemen's clubs are predominantly white strip clubs, meaning most of the entertainers are white. Most of the customers that come in there, the clientele are like blue collar, white guys. Now, when we say urban clubs, everybody black. The customers is black. The girls is black. The managers <laughs> is black. The security is black. Like it's, it's, they're two completely different vibes at that. Gentlemen's clubs are more like sit down. Let's go to the back and get a lap dance. Let's go do VIP rooms. They don't want too much turned up on the floor. They want that stuff done in the back. As to where like urban strip clubs, it's a party when you walk in the door. The music is blaring. Girls is bent over at the tables, <laughs> shaking ass. Customers is throwing dollars. And it looks, it sounds funny to say like they're tipping with single dollar bills. But a lot of times they're like taking a hundred dollar stack and like throwing it in the air at the table. So you may do one song, but you got that hundred dollar stack on the floor around you. So it's literally, it's just different. Like it's a different environment, but both could be equally fun. I always tell people to try both. I tell dancers to try both. And there's honestly some like white dancers that I think fit better at urban strip clubs over gentlemen's clubs and vice versa. So it's just both sides need to be open into hiring different. And when the different hires are brought in, it's kind of like, don't treat them differently. Like they don't to make their money too. But that's, that kind of become this, the dilemma with urban strip clubs because they'll hire white women that come in there. They'll hire the white women. However, the dancers are like, hell no. Because a lot of times those dancers aren't welcome into their clubs. Like they couldn't go into their clubs and audition and get hired. A lot of times they'll be turned away before they even get to audition. The black dancers is what's is who's territorial over urban strip clubs. And I understand why I see both sides of the coin as somebody who works both sides of the coin. I get it. I understand. It just I just wish like more white strip clubs, gentlemen's clubs would be open to hiring different body types of black women. They'll hire black women, but the black women's body types, very petite, very small butts, very small breasts. But then they'll hire a white woman that got like BBL butt implants, big boobs. And it's like, okay, what's the difference in these body types? It's just the skin color is different, but you're not welcoming to this one. And I think that's why, because some gentlemen's clubs are going to fall because the urban clubs and the customers that go into urban clubs 
spend a lot of money. Yeah, they do. The plus side of having that type of crowd in your gentlemen's clubs is that they're, they like it because they have enough places to sit. A lot of urban clubs are small. Yeah. So it really <laughs> isn't any seating. And that's where the problem comes in. People get drunk. They got to stand up. Once people start stumbling a little bit on over each other, then that's where the problems come in. As long as there's adequate seating, everybody is happy. It'd be chill. I haven't been to Philly some, I haven't been to some hood clubs in Philly as a customer and ain't nothing pop off because it was enough seating. The club was big enough to have enough seating and it was packed. You might've had to wait a little bit to get a seat because it was that packed, but it wasn't like crazy. Like everybody was just chill, but you get a smaller urban club that only has like 10 tables and the rest is like VIP booth seating, which means it may be like two VIP booths. Yes. You're going to have some problems once that place starts to get packed. I kind of wish, I kind of wish some of the gentlemen's clubs that are big in Cleveland that really don't, that really aren't popular as gentlemen's clubs would switch over because then they would have a lot more clientele coming in there because they got better seating and that's just facts. Across the country where you've worked in the in the cities that you've worked at is, I mean, do you see that that trend where there's this urban club where, you know, the majority of the Black girls are working and that Black clientele is going there and then these other like predominantly white clubs, do you see that separation in all states? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Every state has that vibe because because a lot of the gentlemen's clubs aren't going to play the music that the hood want to hear in a way. The hood go to the urban clubs. Right. They want to hear like some rap music, 808 gentlemen's clubs. They're not going for that. And if they do, it's radio edited and it's very sparingly. It's not the vibe that they want to be around. So they go to the clubs that are the vibes that they want to be around. But it's literally like that everywhere. And some places have like worse discrimination as far as dancers go than others. Like one club in Mississippi got sued by every single Black dancer there because they they wouldn't let them work night shift. They wouldn't let them work. Like it was just a lot of discrimination going on there. Now that guy doesn't have the club anymore. (laughs) It is actually now owned by an urban strip club. It's kind of like get with the times. Clubs either got to get with the times or they're going to facing harsher discrimination lawsuits now. People ain't playing. And I love that like during the lockdown and during the social media movement, people have been sharing knowledge as far as like being a dancer goes, like the laws, what you can, what clubs can and can't do as far as like being independent contractors and things like that. So there's a lot more knowledge out there for girls getting into this industry. So now it's like, no, we really ain't taking no stuff. And as much as it sucks, a lot of clubs is going to do some illegal stuff as far as being independent contractors but it's like you just gotta take the two evils like after I pay you booth rent I shouldn't have to pay anything else you shouldn't get a percentage of like my VIP rooms or lap dances but some clubs do that so you have to like you gotta kind of bite the bullet if that's where you want to be at stay up on your laws girls stay up on your laws and pick and choose your battles because sometimes you might have to step up and then you end up like me blacklisted in Nashville wait what happened in Nashville (laughs) I I had a disagreement with the DJ and the manager kind of like took the DJ side as far as like the disrespectfulness of it goes. And because Nashville only has three clubs, what? They're tight knit. 
So they made the phone call to the other club's regional manager. Can't work in Nashville no more. <laughs> oh, wow. So, like I said, you got to pick and choose your battles. The plus side for me is I don't have children, so I can travel and work. Some girls can't. They literally have to be in those areas to take care of their children. They don't have time to like travel on the weekend to go out of town and work. So they really got to walk on eggshells as far as like what they will and will not put up with. And a lot of times that means girls and women put up with a lot of stuff they shouldn't. And it sucks, but I get it. You got to do what you got to do to take care of you and your family. I can't fault somebody else for how they have to survive. So was this disagreement over music or something else? It was actually over stage lighting. It was all over stage lighting. And all he had to do was change the stage lights. But he refused to and told me to stay in my lane. I read my contract and stage is my lane. So I was well within my lane. Well, Judge Jordana is going to rule in your favor. This dude's a dick. Thank you. (laughs) Yes, he is the asshole. (laughs) Like that Reddit column. The experience continues. Next time will be the conclusion of our interview with Shayla. You can hear her discuss things like consent, locker room talk, and her goals for the future. And with that, we're we're here here if you need to talk. talk. Did I scream?